There are so many different ways to parent, and for many of us, that starts with our upbringing and the culture we were raised in. Today, I'm bringing on the show four moms who I met about 18 or 19 years ago when we were all in undergrad together at UCLA. These four ladies, also known as Ticha, Isa, Tilo, and Chuk, are the co-hosts of the podcast Tit Talks. That's T-I-T-T for Tiffany, Isa, Tiffany, and Tiffany, which I absolutely love the name of their show. They're a podcast all about modern women living in a mama world, documenting the fun and ridiculousness and all the struggles of living our best lives in an ever-changing world of expectations. And they also all happen to be Asian American with kids five and under, just like myself. I wanted to bring them on the show today because as an Asian American trying to raise mixed kids in 2020, it has been an interesting journey. For me, I realized a lot of my parenting style, values, and methods all stem back from Asian culture, especially the Japanese culture. For those of you who don't know, I'm half Japanese and half Filipino, and my parents come from completely different upbringings. My mom is a first-generation Filipina who came to America when she was 16 years old, and she's one of six kids. My dad, on the other hand, is a second-slash-third-generation Japanese-American who grew up in Los Angeles and is an only child. Having two different cultures in our household, along with growing up as an only child, has brought a very different perspective as a current parent of three kids. On the other hand, my husband is Irish and Jewish and was raised in literally the most polar opposite way than I was. Trying to balance in parenting and our relationship has been an interesting journey. So talking to these four Asian American moms who are all also working full time definitely shed some light on how our upbringing has impacted our parenting styles. While I was lucky not to have the stereotypical tiger mom, and for those of you who don't know what a tiger mom is, the dictionary definition is a stricter demanding mother who pushes her child or children to high levels of achievement, especially by using methods regarded as typical of child rearing in China and other parts of East Asia. I was an only child, but yet I always strove for excellence. I did all the things and I believed that a B plus was pretty much the equivalent of failing, but I was lucky enough not to have parents that forced that upon me and made me think that that was the only way to achieve. But like moms I talked to today, we're all trying to do our best to instill qualities of compassion, love, and understanding within our children. But sometimes that demanding side of us does come out. I think my favorite aspect of this episode is just hearing the background stories of other strong Asian American moms. I think a lot of us were raised to get a good education, work hard, make opportunities for a better life, and raise good children. But being on a stage or creating a platform for our voice, just like a podcast, isn't really very common. What these ladies are doing with Tit Talks is empowering and paving the way for other Asian Americans out there to have a voice. So after this episode, go over and check out their podcast, Tit Talks. That's T-I-T-T Talks. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, Mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, I have the ladies from Tit Talks, which is probably the best name ever. Four ladies, all Asian American moms, which you can't really see. But I wanted you guys to start off by just introducing yourself, your name, how many kids you have, age, and then what is your biggest mom win of the week? This is Tita to be Chavez Tay. I am a mom of a two-year-old girl, and I'm currently pregnant 18 weeks today um, with another girl. So I'm going to be a girl mom and biggest win this week. It doesn't have to be mommy related. Uh, no, it's so, supposed to be about you. So it doesn't have to be oh, related to great. parenting. The biggest win about you this week. 
Oh my gosh. So for the first time in four months, I got myself up on a treadmill and was able to run 20 minutes without pain in my boobs or my abdomen. So that was a huge win. Now I have a sciatic nerve, like rupture and like everything hurts, but it's okay. It was totally worth it. I did guys. My first pregnancy workout. Congratulations. <laughs> That's a huge win. And you're past your first trimester. How are, yes. how are you feeling? I am feeling so much better. My first trimester was absolutely horrendous. My first pregnancy was so easy peasy the entire time. I was like, yeah, I can have four kids. No problem. <laughs> After this, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so done. How's it only four and a half months? I'm so ready for this to be over. This is very painful. That's a great win. Hi guys, I'm T. Lowe, also known as Tiffany. Um, (laughs) I'm a mom of two. I live in Southern California. I have a five-year-old and an almost three-year-old. And honestly, I'm going to set the bar really low here, but I've gotten through this week and that's (laughs) that's my win. It's been it's been rough um, working at home with children at home, as you would know, Stephanie. Yeah. So it's just it's. What do you think the hardest part of this week was? What made it so hard? Yesterday was actually quite difficult. I had meetings back to back to back to back to back to back, and I think overall the most difficult part is the fact that I'm at home and I can't parent, but I'm I'm visibly here to my children, which makes it difficult because there's an element of guilt there. So I I think that's just the tough thing. Like yesterday, I was like locked in a room the whole day and I couldn't help my partner, Dave. So the poor guy was out there managing two kids almost all day by himself. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, every day is a win, honestly, these days during the pandemic. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt Tila's win because (laughs) we talk like every day and I know what she does every day. So Tila, if you were going to list like everything that you did every day you've had like a thousand wins I yeah just you accomplished so like much operations manager she's always doing something she's getting us interviews getting us free professional pictures <laughs> yeah. Yeah. getting us uh, to speak on alumni boards and, and this is my asian humility so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my mom is proud of you thank you thank you <laughs> That's a real win. That is a, that <laughs> is a win. win. That's I the biggest to win. Proud. <laughs> You're supposed to have me compliment you and not just be like, pat <laughs> on your back. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> There's three so Tiffany's flattered. on this call right now. Just letting you guys know. That's the behind the scenes of TikToks is the three T's are Tiffany, Tiffany, and Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> and I is Isa. <laughs> Isa, yes. <laughs> we make it tit. Um, yeah. So, so I'm Tiffany Chukia, and I go by Chuk. People, some people call me Chukia, but yeah, it's, here, here we're, I'm just Chuk. And my big win for this week was that my. Oh wait, actually, let me let me back up. I'll give you some background on me. I have two sons. One is three and a half. One is four months tomorrow. My three-and-a-half-year-old, his name is Kai. He has a great, big, energetic spirit. And this week, he listened to me on the after my first request. So I said, Kai, can you put your shoes on? And he just put his shoes on. And I was like, who is this kid? He's mine. He, list, he put his shoes on for the first <laughs> time. Usually it takes like, like 10 times, and then the 11th is, Kai! But, uh. But he's learning, and that made me feel really good. <laughs> That's a huge win for a three-and-a-half-year-old and you. Yes. Yeah, you guys can all compliment him when you see him next on Halloween. Wow. Wow. I will. Positive reinforcement. Yeah. And what would be your then win? <laughs> me? Um, I, 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 I submitted a great filing for work. It was yes. like yes. On my first filing since I've um, been back from maternity leave. So, how long have you been back from maternity leave? September 23rd is when I returned. So, not even a month. How is that going? You know, it's okay. So, our our office, my I'm I'm a lawyer and our office is starting to transition back into working in the office. And generally, like our our space is way too big. So, we were already really socially distanced before, but yeah, it's it's okay. I have to get used to like wearing a mask when I go get water or get some snacks. But otherwise, I can just hunker down in my office and then just be free, right? Like people compare wearing a mask to like wearing a bra. So 
that's that's exactly how I feel every time I get back into my office. So yeah. be the boob. Hi, I'm Isa, and I only have one child in the group, but she is 15 months and super rambunctious. And so I feel like every day she has some little wins, new words, and things like that. For me, it's been quite a week, just like Tilo. So I would say my win was being able to open up a new bottle of wine. And I need a shout out Daisy, our friend Daisy, just opened Guildford Green Wines. And so I got my chance to open up my first bottle and it was amazing. And so that was my win. And you're working too, correct? Yes, I am working full time and I'm actually taking care of my daughter full time. I do have some help from my niece like once a week, but yeah, it's crazy. And then also planning TikToks and then I have something called Mommies in the Mix for DJ moms or moms behind the music. So it's kind of crazy, but you know, it keeps us going and I think it keeps us young. (laughs) Well, that's a great transition to, I know all four of you guys work and you all have young kids. And so, I mean, I think all of us have basically the oldest kid is five. It's different than people who have teenagers and older kids who maybe, even though we're not in school, they're a little more self-sufficient, but you guys all work. You guys all have young kids. What does kind of your home situation look like in terms of childcare during the day? How are you guys managing being working with your husband at home and your kids? Well, I guess I'll take over since I kind of gave you a little insight into my life. When the pandemic first started, it was me and my husband at home, but now he is out in the field. And so it's all on me. And I am actually looking for alternative solutions, co-working spaces with pod-like or smaller group daycare for my daughter, but also because I can see she's missing out on other kids. You know, if we do on a rare occasion, we do like an outdoor brunch or something and she sees another child, she is like, that's a unicorn. There's another child there, you know, and, and we pod together. So when she does see her best friends, um, she just is over the moon. So, you know, I am looking for alternatives, but it is super hard. It's all about scheduling and really taking advantage of those like two hour naps. I never knew two hours could fly by so fast, but that's how it is for me. And then as soon as my husband comes home, he takes over, he does like full, you know, dinner time and, and bedtime stuff. And then I just like go to work some more. So that's how, that's how I do it. But the weekends are amazing, but yeah, they also fly by now. Cause it's like, I'm waiting for it just to take a break a little bit, you know, that's my situation. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like you're always planning? You're just like, you it's, can't ever live in the moment right now. It's just, what's tomorrow? Right. Like, and I have to mentally prepare before I can actually dive in. The I day feel like after. during the pandemic, a lot of it is literally living hour by hour or day by day. We used to plan all these events, like things, oh yeah, like in, you know, three months from now, we have every single weekend planned out. But I feel like during this time, we definitely schedule almost like, okay, let's take this day by day and like what's going right. on tomorrow and trying to fill these different buckets and, and figuring yes. that out. And I think it's just with 2020, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, with the fires or I mean, it's not even just the pandemic. It's just like everything that's happening. You never know when the air quality is going to be okay or, you know, so it's, it's, it's an interesting year. <laughs> so, okay, we'll go to Tilo. Oh gosh, how do we handle this? Okay, so... <laughs> So my husband, Dave, bless him, (laughs) is the lead parent because I I have a corporate job that I have to hold down. So it got perfect, you know, right before school started. But then once Tessa, my five-year-old, started kindergarten, then he had to, because it's virtual, sit next to her and really focus, make sure she's paying attention. Like I'm constantly hearing nagging from the room that I sit in because it's just like, sit up straight, pay attention, listen to the teacher. So it, it got dynamically more challenging because before he was able to focus on both of them. Now he only has one where his sole focus is. So then I have my almost three-year-old just running rampant around the house. And if you can imagine, like my job's pretty task-oriented, like you're trying to do something and get it done. Then there's like this little human coming in to bother you every five minutes. And we're all high performers. I would say that, you know, we all went to UCLA. We all want to get it done. So it's very frustrating, I think, not being able to perform at the level that you used to. And, and it's just balancing 
everything that comes with the children being at home, <laughs> the guilt, and then just all the blurry lines, like you're home, you're parenting, but you're at work, your work is at home. So, you know, like I said, at, at, you know, at the intro, like every day is a victory because we're just trying to, just trying to get through it. Um, but that's our dynamic. Prior Does to- Does your husband time, work? He's like day trading, you know? Okay. But I mean, even that has kind of gone down because he can't, there's no focus for that while he's focusing on the children. Prior to the pandemic, we had, you know, help with our parents. And, and if there was no pandemic, this would definitely be where our kids would be or daycare or obviously like school. But, you know, we're just being super cautious with the virus being as aggressive that, as it is. So it's just on us. We haven't had a date night in like seven months. Like, oh God, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I'm actually going to circle around back to that. But first I want to hear about Tichas situation. And then I want to actually talk about Asian parents and childcare situation. Oh, actually, that's the perfect segue for me because <laughs> I am so freaking grateful. We bought the house next door to my parents in Monterey Park. Like how that I could ever, like my dad had the foresight like eight years ago to be like, you know, one day, one day I want my daughter to live next door. So he like put this plan together to buy the house. And now like, Ta-da, we're here. And so <laughs> at first we were like, oh, you know, Asian parents, like it's a, everybody loves Raymond situation, like no privacy. But now it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how we would do this. We had probably in this entire six months of quarantine, probably just three weeks where we either had to quarantine because I thought I was sick or Michael thought that he had COVID or like, you know, something happened where we didn't feel safe taking her next door to my parents. And those were the hellish weeks ever. Just having a toddler bang at the door, run around. And she's like one of those really rambunctious two-year-olds that will like take a knife and like stab the cat. So we need to be so careful and like watch her every single moment of the day. So that being said, like we get four blissful hours every day to work, take meetings. And a lot of my job is front facing. Like I am just like Tilo on zoom, probably six to seven hours a day. So it's, it's, I, I feel like allowances were made in the first few months, but after a while, it's like, you just like, can you just get, you know, this meeting done without this little bobbing head, just like running around and screaming. So I am so grateful to my parents and they have been handling so much of that pressure. I'm also in grad school. So I'm in class two nights a week and on weekends. So like Michael, my partner has been a godsend, like doing all of the domestic chores and really taking care of the baby at night. Like, thank goodness I can sneak away from class to like put her to sleep, which is really, really convenient. But at the end of the day, like I'm pretty much just like not here. And that's the most difficult part. Like, like Tilo said, like you're visible, but you're not able to help, which is really difficult. But overall, very grateful. We've got our parents next door. Everyone's healthy. So it's been a really wonderful arrangement. That's great. Actually, my daughter, so I have three kids. Um, my two-year-old right now is at my mom's house. So they live nearby too. We threatened to buy the house next door and then the house behind them. And my mom was like, I think that's a little too close. So we live five minutes away in ironically my grandfather's former house. So it's pretty oh much God. like we're, we're all pretty close to each other. And even tonight, my husband's going out to dinner and my mom was like, oh, I'll bring you dinner. And I'm like, thank you. Can you <laughs> also help so me with bedtime? <laughs> <laughs> so do you, all of you have family nearby? Do you have that support? I feel like there's a huge difference with Asian culture. Just seeing that Asian families are very nuclear and they very, they want to help each other. Half the time parents live with their kids or they're super close by and they always want to help. I know the pandemic for some people, my parents luckily were like, no, we still want to see the kids. But some parents are like, nope, stay away. How's your situation? I can start and I guess explain why we're not seeing our parents as much or my parents as much. It's just because my son, when he was an infant, had RSV. So every time he gets sick, he needs a nebulizer. And, and knowing what COVID is like, we're like not taking any chances. Um, my brother still lives with my parents and he works at UPS. So he's in and out every day amongst people that not, aren't necessarily wearing masks. And my mom is my grandma's primary caretaker. So she's also in and out of the house every day. So 
that's more of why we're not seeing them. But, but prior to this, like I was saying, we were very, very close. Like, and they would help us on the weekends. We would get date nights and everything. So it's just been a really big disruption to that for us um, as parents. But, you know, like, I, like, like everybody is saying, we're just super grateful that everybody is healthy, even though we've got this distance between us for now. Chuki or Isa? Chuka, I'll let you go because you have a really cool. Because <laughs> my mom is my mom. <laughs> I, I'm so lucky that my parents are so involved in my kids' life. It hasn't really changed from the pandemic. Um, I mean, we quarantine and we're we're cautious, but with regard to like my parents and their and how frequently they see my kids, that hasn't really changed. And oh gosh, and so yeah, my dad was taking care of, of my kids before the pandemic and he has continued to do so. My mom is super in love with my sons. I, I could, she, she could give <laughs> she hears shit about me and then she'll be like, Where, where's Kai? Where's Casey? And Casey's my younger one. But my mom- you a, also, Do you have siblings or are you an only child? I have a, I have a brother who's okay. a year older than me, but he lives in Singapore. So I, and he has two two daughters and a lovely wife, but it, like I get it all. Like I just I get all the parental support that I don't have to share with with my friends. <laughs> so um, my mom, she she is so loving. It can kind of be overbearing, and with regard to like watching the kids, she's a type of Asian mom who will be like don't have anyone else watch your kids. I will watch your kids. Nobody will care for them as much as I will care for them. But if we want to go out at night with some friends, she'll say, why are you going out at night? Why don't you love your kids? You, you're a mom now. You need to stay home with your kids. So we'll have that back and forth. And sometimes I'll just, I'll be like, you know what, mom, Glenn, my husband and I are just going to go out uh, we're not going to take the kids. We're going to hire a babysitter and she will, she will just be so, she will be so shocked that we could have someone who's not my mom watch the kids, but she, she will also give us grief for doing that. I feel like Asian parents, for some reason, it's always like on their terms. So my parents are the same where they'll like be like, we haven't seen the kids. Can we watch the kids? They want to come over. But then when we ask, they're like, oh, it's not convenient for us. <laughs> really? Like, I, I don't understand. Or there's always like a string attached to it. <laughs> same thing where they're like, oh, why are you going out? You know, then like, you expect us to put all three kids to sleep? No, bring your nanny over. And it's like, okay. <laughs> My mom will say, I'm old now. I'm tired. I raised you. I, I, don't have, I shouldn't have to raise your kids. But at the same time, she'll be, oh, come here. Come here. Treat him with love and kindness. Don't yell at him. And, and, and don't leave him. My, my mom is just, she, I love her. I always say this, but she can be just so hypocritical. <laughs> you know? um, I, I'm so lucky. She, I will, I can always depend on them to watch the kids in any emergency or just in, in regular life, even though I'll probably have to be lectured um, like 50% of the time. <laughs> 65. 85. <laughs> I, I kind of have a like a opposing type of like cultures as far as my in-laws and my mom. And although my mom is, she's, she's actually Pacific Islander. She's from Guam, but she is so doting. She wants her to spend the night already, but she lives about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on traffic. That's such a LA thing to say. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it's a little harder for her to watch her. And then Jake, my husband, his parents, um, he comes from like a Mexican Puerto Rican background. You know, they're just a little bit different in their in their COVID awareness. And so we tend to like tease my mom a lot more. But but yeah, it, you know, I just have to say this example. One time they were coming over and it was at the height of COVID and we were like, when you come in, you have to shower and change clothes we were kind of you know strict um and before his dad walked in he started wiping himself with Clorox wipes and and you guys know where that came from I don't have to say it but we said you still need a shower because we don't even use Clorox around our daughter <laughs> what we're working with but my my mom is very, actually very liberal for even for even for being tomorrow Guamanian so she's she's like go out 
leave the baby, do whatever you want. Like when she has time, otherwise she is going on date nights and going out dancing and stuff. Well, not during the pandemic, but she's very active. So I just, yeah, you're right. I have to fit her social life too. (laughs) Hi friends. I'm interrupting this episode to ask, have you left a review on Apple podcasts yet for the mommies on a call podcast for the month of October or November? I'm running a special little contest for those who do. If you leave me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of that review and DM it to me on Instagram at mommies on a call or post it in my free Facebook group, Modern Business Mama, you can be entered to win a free Erin Condren petite planner bundle filled with some of my favorite planners and journals to help you stay accountable and organized for 2021. If you already left me a review, then you can still be entered to win by sharing the podcast on Instagram stories and tagging mommies on a call, or else I won't know how you shared it and you'll be entered to win. Just head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, screenshot that review and DM it to me or post in the group and you'll be entered to win. Now back to the episode. Well, that's actually a good transition because some of us have mixed families. Like, for example, I'm married to an Irish Jewish guy, so he's white. Um, I know half of you are married to Asians, half aren't. How has that played into infusing culture into your family? All of us are not, I don't think any of you guys are first generation, right? No. So same, I'm, my mom is first generation, but my dad is second slash third generation. And so for me, I realize my kids have like zero awareness of like what Japanese culture is, what Filipino culture is. They use some of the words because I actually don't know the English words for things. <laughs> but other than that, like I had to go to Kumon. I, you know, I went to piano lessons. I went to Japanese school on Saturdays. I, I lived in a very different upbringing of like structure and discipline, but also like you know, respecting elders and a a different way of kind of living. And I realized I'm not really doing that with my kids. And so I'm curious, how are you guys handling raising your kids with your backgrounds? Well, (laughs) I was actually going to say this is a great topic because I have been asking some of my friends with kind of like dual culture children, I guess, you know, because I'm also mixed myself. It's like, how do you infuse? I mean, we only almost have like four to five cultures to like teach her about. And that's overwhelming. And and like you said, she has a couple words, like she knows how to say kiss in like four different languages. But it's hard if you go into, you know, preparing them with language, because there's not just one. And so, you know, really English is her primary, but how do you, how do you infuse that all? And so I guess, you know, I'm also looking for immersion pod schools, which is like, doesn't exist, but yeah, I I would be interested to know all of, you know, all of what you guys do. Cause I'm, you know, kind of in that elementary stage. She's only 15 months. So I want to hear from Tisha. This is a great question. <laughs> yeah, so, so my father's from Peru. He's native Peruvian. My mom's from Hong Kong. She's Chinese. And so their goal, even before I got pregnant, was this kid is going to speak all three languages fluently. Definitely not, because it's so hard. It's but so hard. It's so hard, but um, my dad only speaks to her in Spanish. We speak, so Michael's, uh, Michael's uh, half Portuguese, half, um, half British. And so we, we, it's, it's an English household. My mom tries to sprinkle in some Chinese, but I think it's a little bit too difficult to keep it consistent. So she's got, she's pretty much like 50-50 now in terms of English and Spanish, which is really good. I don't know how that's going to translate when she goes to school. So just like you, you said, we're going to try to find an immersion program. But that Chinese part, like... I'm going to try really hard to keep some of it, like the traditions that I grew up with. I'm going to try hard to make sure that she knows like the red envelopes, the, the, the kind of like eating traditions of like serving others first, the greetings. So those little things we're going to try to keep in place, but it's so difficult, right? Because re- culture really begins in the home. And if her parents aren't really practicing these every day. They get a little bit lost. So we're just really going to try to focus on those 15, 20 traditions that we are accustomed to that we really enjoy to pass it down to her. And in terms of the language, we really hope that the Spanish sticks. And then we'll probably put in some put her in some Chinese class when she's like five years old and really hope that sticks too. Are you and your husband on the same page about that? Like you mentioned serving elders first. So I know like for me, sometimes my husband 
and I get in a disagreement because the way I was raised was don't question authority. Even if they're wrong, you don't. Where my husband, my mother-in-law would always say he was teetering on the line of Harvard and prison because he questioned everything. And so he, on the other hand, has a very different mentality where he's willing to like talk back to my dad and question things. And I'm like, don't do that. It doesn't happen in (laughs) Japanese culture. You just don't, you just let it go. And he's like, I can't do that. And so I'm curious, do you guys, are you on the same page with your husband on how you're going to raise culturally? Oh, Stephanie, it is an ever evolving, ever evolving for the better, I think, issue. When we first started dating, it was so difficult for him because he did not understand how I, at like 30 years old, was just like, absolutely, yes, sir, yes, sir, to everything my, my mom and dad both said. And still, very, they're, they're the authoritative figures in my life. Like, there's, there's room for compromise now. I still don't talk back, but there's room for conversation. And he's starting to kind of join in that journey with me. So now, at the uh, uh, ripe old age of 37, I'm starting to learn to communicate with my parents. <laughs> like the good things though that we're passing down to our kids like even we're having these like much more mature relationship conversations about like how are you feeling why did you throw your cereal things that I never had so we're benefiting from those lessons um, because I don't want that kind of relationship with Kennedy where she's just bowing down to me and we do want to have more of a friendship with her and it really starts at a young age Do you see, though, that because she's staying at their house, they parent differently? And this is actually, I'm going to ask on Troop 2, because I know your mom is a little bit more traditional, I think I would say. But I'm actually curious, because this was a problem when we were, when my kids were younger, was that my parents weren't on the same parenting board as we were. So where we would let them do stuff my mom would be like, or dad be like, how could you let Chase do that? You know, how could you do that? You would never do that. And I'm like, oh, well, we're, we're using like positive discipline. We're trying different parenting techniques. And she's like, no, you just need to, you know, like tell it as it is like discipline, like, and so I'm curious. And so he was going to their house, getting a different set of rules and discipline than our house. And it was confusing for a young child. And so I'm curious if you encountered any of that. So, My parents are Thai Chinese, I'm Thai Chinese American, and my husband, his mom is Thai and his dad is Italian. My husband was born in Bangkok, lived there until he was seven. You know, and at one point he was fluent. Can you imagine Glenn speaking Thai fluent? Now he doesn't know a lick of Thai. Like my parents would talk shit on him in Thai and he wouldn't even know. (laughs) Although they don't do that. They don't, they don't talk, but I can see their looks <laughs> and, I, and I can read their minds because I know what they're thinking because I'm their daughter. And it's really funny because like you, Stephanie, I went to Kumon. I, my, you know, my dad, when I was in first grade, he had me learn all these addition or do these addition and subtraction sheets. He just, he wrote them out and made copies and he was, he was so great, but they were, they were really strict. I also like, I was taught, don't question authority, just do what they say. And, you know, like I was in boarding school, just, ah, if I spill something, like be more careful, don't ever do that again. And I can say that I can appreciate everything that they did because I, I know why they, I mean, that's what they knew, but that's what they knew when they were raising me. And since that time, since I'm now an adult, they've, I think they've learned the uh, like Facebook videos and whatever else is out there. What, if my mom hears something from her friends, it's facts, right? Like, so I think she's actually benefited from that because now she comes from a place of like love and kindness and understanding. And she was always coming from a place of love, but her execution is just much more different now. So I I think when she sees me parenting, she kind of sees a reflection of herself sometimes. So if they come over and I answer the door, I have two big dogs. One is, one, one is a rescue and he, well, they're both rescues, but one is a lot more insecure and it comes out as aggression. And he's just, he gets, he gets really crazy when new people come to the door. And when I'm, when I'm at the door, I'm handling the kids, I'm trying to greet the guests, and I'll be like, Augie, be quiet, or something like that. And it sounds really, it sounds really harsh 
Although Augie knows it comes from love. And I, at, at that time, the only thing I can do to calm the situation down is yeah, because I can't do, I can't physically restrain him. And then he listens. And that's just the way it is. But my mom, when when that happens and she's around, she'll say, oh my gosh, stop. You're so mean. You're so mean to that dog. And I'm like, what, what would you have me do, mom? You want me to, you want me to put him on a cloud and, and, and gently cuddle him for, for 10 minutes while the guests shuttle in? And um, and the and the kids go crazy. She also she also like employs that same attitude when uh, when I'm having to discipline Kai. And I I'm nice, right? Like I I'm not cruel. I'll, I'll just be like Kai, you know. Uh, I might raise my voice if he's you know pulling the dog's tail or um, do it like banging a toy against the wall and about to create a hole or something. I'll like Kai, stop that. And my mom will be like. I, that you need to understand what he's going through. You need to talk to him. You know, just just treat him with love because I don't want him to start yelling at people too, and I don't want him to learn that from you. <laughs> I was like, okay, mom, seeing as I learned this from you, but um, <laughs> it's it, it's funny because they like she can see. I think her. The qualities that she doesn't know that she employed in me now, and she's like, "Oh no, wrong." <laughs> Love, kindness, compassion. Yeah. Not not being strict and not not like uh, strict discipline. But, but was she strict and disciplinary when you were younger? Oh gosh, she was <laughs> yeah. so she was so strict. Like I, my mom was always known as like Mrs. Chukit. She was always the strictest mom, and. I've talked about this in our podcast, but yeah. with my group of high school friends, my mom is now, there, there were two in high school, and now my mom is still the only one who hasn't, who hasn't changed. She's still, Mrs. Chugget, she still doesn't want me to drink wine. Not that I drink wine in high school, but she doesn't want me to go out at night, you know, like talking about wanting to go to dinner with, with some friends. Like, why do you have to leave? Nothing good happens at night. Other people will be drunk, <laughs> and um, you, you don't know how they'll be driving, she she was really strict. Now she's still <laughs> now she's still really strict in, in certain ways. Yeah. I, I also just wanted to mention we have an upcoming episode with these amazing women and Ticha had brought them into our lives. Um, and we call this episode Raising Compassionate Leaders. And they have a whole, I guess, support system or, or resources so that you can, you know, kind of marry, I guess, the two cultures if you need to, or even just, you know, move forward and trying to, yeah, have, I guess, like a template on how to move forward in raising our children and kind of, you know, the atmosphere we're in now. So I just wanted to put that oh, in there because cool. I, I really loved that episode and these two women. And I don't know, Chicha, if you wanted to <laughs> just no, say Tilo, if you wanted to talk about. So this, this was, okay. uh, this episode really started with really fostering a culture of equity and inclusion and a diversity based on everything that's happening around us. But what was really fascinating was that it all kind of stems down to the same foundation of having the courage to have these difficult conversations with not only your children at various ages, but with all the people that they surround themselves with too. So it all really, <laughs> all really begins with open dialogue as trite as that sounds, yes. but like having the, being okay with it being difficult and having the courage to continuously have those conversations. So that's, that's uh, what I'm super excited about as well. My, to- my mom would agree with, with their principles. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I know when we were growing up, there was this Chinese thing called the Tan Tiu. Tilo, yes. I'm sure you're aware of this. It's like this wooden stick. Yes. Wooden stick with feathers on the edge. Like that was my form of discipline, right? The Tan Tiu. But now there's this phrase in Chinese, but my, my mom always says like, Kennedy could take a shit on your dad's head and he'd be fine. So like, that's how lax they are with her. Like she could do awesome. Like, she's like up on the counters, like just throwing stuff out of the cupboards and they're like, it's okay. She's like, Maybe I would have gotten beaten at that age. <laughs> Why did it have feathers at the end? That seems like so nice. But the end was bamboo. Oh, So it just left a welt after you got hit. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like my parents got 
lacks like after so like with the first kid they were a little still in that stage but then like now it's all gone out the window and they're like the chillest people I'm like why weren't you like that with me growing up like why can't you be that way but I wanted to ask Stilo because you do not have a technically a mixed cultural well I guess you do but like mixed background how are you guys parenting and infusing your culture into your lifestyle and your kids so just background, like I grew up in a, in a Cantonese household and then my husband is actually Taiwanese. Okay. So although we're both like Chinese, American, Asian. Don't ever mix Taiwan and China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, but like I would say, you know, even though there's not that, that, that different or, or the gap in cultural diversity isn't as large, I think because of our own upbringings, there's definitely still a gap. Like I grew up like in a, in not the same socioeconomic background that he did. His family was always well off and, and he had a lot of opportunities that I wasn't afforded as a child. Like, like you guys, I didn't go to Kumon, Kumon, sorry. (laughs) I didn't have tutoring as resources. I was like in a, in a lower income um, city that I grew up in. And because of that, I think there's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of differences, like money scarcity is one thing, and he has no concept of what that is. So like, there's all these things between the two of us personality wise with how we grew up that, that, that don't align and create conflict. But, you know, it's funny because like, I didn't grow up in, in these tutoring sessions or these Chinese school weekends, but we have our daughter in an immersion school. So she's learning Mandarin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and, and I'm, I'm totally cool with that because I'm like, you know, it's great. It's supposed to be great for your children to learn another language. It's best to introduce it when they're younger. And with the way that China's unfortunately becoming a superpower, like I think there's definitely going to be a benefit for her to learn Mandarin, but we're relatively on the same page, I would say, but there's just differences. Like one example I would say is like, I grew up in a household where I was beat and, <laughs> and I was yelled at, like the aggression came out immediately. Whereas for him, he grew up in a household where everybody talked in a soft voice, nobody raised their voice and everybody was just calm. So then when he sees me get heated, uh, it's because that's what, what I learned and that's what I know. And, and he's just like, I don't understand why you need to react that way. Why can't you just be calm? And I'm like, you know, it's a learning thing. Like with what Teacher was saying, it's like every day you're trying to become a better person. And I think it's just that self-reflection that you have to understand that somebody else is coming from a different experience than you. And you have to kind of marry that with your own. And, and I guess that's marriage in a nutshell, right? Like, yes. <laughs> Um, and then you lay in the complexity of parenting, but yes. you know, that's kind of where we are. I think, you know, for me, he is such a better person than I ever will be. Like I can honestly put my hand up and say that like the past, like we'll be married for 10 years next year. And I would say like, he's, he's really brought so much self-reflection to me um, in terms of like how I need to grow and be a better person because I'm not there. Like nobody's there yet, but I'm definitely like here and he's up here. So, (laughs) so I'm like really thankful to him for bringing to light a lot of, you know, the things that I'm lacking in, (laughs) in being a good human. (laughs) I think you're doing the same for him as well, though. We'll see. They're all lucky to be married to us. I just got told I have anger management issues this weekend. And I was like, because I was telling Jake, you know, like, you know, when you talk to your husband and you're like, well, you know, also from our Asian Pacific Island backgrounds, we're like, well, the next time you like do better, maybe not do it, you know, maybe try to work on it. And then he's like, well, you have anger management issues. And I think it's just like, like you said, Tilo, just like growing up differently. Like when I say things, maybe it just feels judgmental because... (laughs) Maybe for some reason is more direct and right for for some reason I guess also as Asian Americans we're really good at like putting in the guilt there (laughs) the Asian guilt it's so true and the passive aggressiveness too I I don't know my husband's always like why aren't you just just say what you want like I was super passive aggressive the other night and we got in a little bit of a disagreement and I was like is this communication because like husband wife communication we just speak differently 
Or is this because I'm so used to being this like Asian female where I don't like necessarily speak up correctly. I kind of like tiptoe around the issue. I try and like make everyone feel better and accommodating. So it's interesting that you say that because then all of a sudden I get passive aggressive as my comment. <laughs> I'm queen of passive aggressive. So I feel you on that one. <laughs> Do you this is, this is with with my mom, she was actually like the opposite. If she ever had a problem, like everybody would know and you would read her mind like if she if she wasn't criticizing, she wasn't living. So it was like <laughs> maybe like, I'm her. Why, why is this her. right there? Why why are you wearing that? That doesn't look good. Why why didn't you clean that up? I think <laughs> better than this like there's all like questions and criticisms although I know she doesn't think it's coming from a bad place it's just like see everything wrong and 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 fix it so I I got that from her so I I definitely think I I got some of that from my Japanese dad because he was like a perfectionist like everything has to be in its place you have to improve you know every time and so he's definitely feeling that as a dad really nice though (laughs) That sounds really nice and encouraging. <laughs> I'm saying that to you guys, but maybe in my delivery to him, it's a little different. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Well, I actually, I want to ask, what's like one trait? So we all have Asian moms. What is one trait that maybe your Asian mom had that you actually want to translate into your own parenting moving forward? So a positive thing that maybe you don't see in other cultures or that you might not see with your spouse. What is one quality that your own mom had that you want to translate? I can start because like in the episode, we talked about all our moms, our Asian tiger moms. And I think for me, I think it was a little bit different. Like I said, just, I didn't have that whole strict thing going on. I think the one quality I'm trying to instill every day is just how much I knew my mom loved me. Like she was never sparse on letting us know that, that she loved us. She was going through her own things, like for sure, as being like a first generation Asian immigrant, like it was hard. They were just trying to survive, honestly. But through all that, we never knew, we never felt like we weren't loved. And it's really simple. Like obviously all of us are doing that for our children. But, um, but that for me is the thing that's stuck with me all these years later. For, for me, I know that I, this is true. I, I can make fun of my mom for being overbearing. However, I can also, I, I also do wish I had a little bit more of that. And I think I will try harder because I know that her being overbearing was really just trying to push us in the right direction. And, you know, you can do this. Or, you know, you can play this song on the piano. You can, she wouldn't let me roller skate, but uh, you can do better at tennis. <laughs> Or, or, or something like that. And I'm always trying to find that like happy balance of, you know, pushing, but not, not being so overbearing. And like, I think I, I don't want to make Kai feel frustrated and not want to do something. But I, I think uh, if I can, I can appreciate the staunch support and encouragement those are better words that she constantly gave us to to do better or to do a specific thing and and learn and become a professional and make a bunch of money while doing it <laughs> i'm just kidding but <laughs> that's one thing. Oh, her her overbearingness which i should characterize with better words i i can appreciate that and i hope to have a little bit more of that <laughs> I, I guess for me, you know, something I, I just learned about is, um, and quick background, I did, ha- we ha- I had a text group with Jake's family, and there was a little bit of rudeness, a lot of bit of rudeness, and I, something I would never experience in my family. And so what I take from my mom and all of her seven sisters is, you know, and I, and I do absolutely apply that. It's just like this fierce feminism and I think it's because, you know, way back when, you know, on Guam, it was a matriarchal society. So it's it's definitely, there's a lot of strong women in my family. And so that, and just maintaining leadership. So the women in my family are the leaders and they maintain like kind of a balance. And this is something I didn't notice until lately is there's always this underlying basis of respect and communications. And, and if not, then you're getting called out for it. And that's something I don't see in my husband's side, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but I definitely enjoy it, feel safe, feel protected in my mom's side. So it's something I definitely want to pass down to my daughter and some something I want to keep, you know? 
So I'll finish up. So I think her absolute dependability and follow through has been just seamless and consistent uh, from the day I was born. Everything from like, and this is probably why I, I'm probably as forgetful as I am because I've always had my mom like a phone call away, like to bring my homework, to pe- come pick me up when I was uh, in my first car accident, to come over and watch the baby when I had to go back to work because I had a four hour commute right after maternity leave. And so she was here all day watching the baby. And uh, the only reason why she stopped was because she got cancer. She's fine now, but like she was that kind of dependable kind of force in my life all this time and she will be here. Like I'll always have that security knowing that she will be there no matter what until the day she dies, which is, you know, a really great thing to feel. And really like, I think your personality just develops on top of it. It's really nice to have. Nice. Well, to wrap it up, ladies, thank you so much for sharing so much insight. I love this. And I mean, just getting that difference in perspective is amazing, especially from an Asian culture because there's so much that is different. And so especially with what's going on in the world today, um, you know, pandemic, all the anti-racism teachings and everything. To wrap it up, what is your number one tip right now for other moms to survive this time? It could be from a working perspective. It can be from child raising, whatever you want. What would be your one final tip? For me, it would be to be, to use your village if you have it. And if you don't have a village, if you have the resources, build, build a village to help you. And I think just in terms of like all the people around you that make up that village is to just continue with the open and transparent communication. That's, that's going to get you there. Yeah, that was beautifully said. Exactly what I was going to say. Do not be afraid to ask for help. You need a support system. You cannot do this alone. And you have so many people that are willing to help you. So reach out. Right. And, and to piggyback on that, just take a breath. A little self-care, even just a minute. Tilo said it perfectly. So that just reminded me of Daniel Tiger because I'm always thinking, <laughs> yes, yes. this is like, um, <laughs> I learned so many great lessons from Daniel Tiger and just all the PBS shows. PBS, I like, I think it's a win when our kids watch PBS because like every show is, uh, has a, ni- a nice lesson and teaches inclusion and uh, historical figures. But <laughs> I'm like, 36-year-old woman referencing Daniel Tiger, take a deep breath and count to four, right? Mm-hmm. Remember Sing that. It. I think it can, things can get so hectic and we can get so stressed, but, you know, in the end, it's always okay. That's kind of my mantra in life, and that always helps me get through, like, a, a tough day. Well, thank you, ladies. That was a perfect way to wrap up. So let's all just, you know, take a breath. (laughs) And now time to get on with our crazy, crazy busy day. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time. Bye.